0: He's the Beacon Deacon, Jeff Rosignol. It's a fine blend of discipleship and entertainment. Truth is here. All right, I'll pray that I don't say anything too foolish. Good morning, Father. Really, truly get me out of the way that your truths would be lifted up and you would be glorified that uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit we would understand what your Bible tells us and we would obey. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're on a cool series about being responsible. And um, because a lot of things are encroaching on the church... And, and the Christians, um, the blessings maybe of the 70s and 80s. I wasn't a Christian in the 70s or 80s, but for the way I see things, the the Christian mindset, the moral goodness was part of the culture in general. But now that's gone. So now in in the general culture, it's bad to talk about God. It's bad to talk about morality and goodness. And the only morality that is considered good is bad morality or tolerance so tolerate evil do not tolerate good is the essence of it right? right in a nutshell so those have a lot of bearings on the church because now that the now that the the culture is completely disarmed From a Christian foundation or mindset, now it's much more easier for evil to sweep across the land in more damaging ways. A part of that is going to be the big Islamic cultural push that is coming in and it's politically incorrect to call an Islamic terrorist a terrorist or Islamic. You can call them bad, you can call them malicious, but you can't call it what it is, right? It's it's very it's, it's so horribly evil. It's no, the, the Revelation, if you read the book of Revelation, it's, it's very, oh, okay. Now it's making sense how the devil can deceive so many people because it's happening right now. The moment you get rid of God out of your foundation, you're a sitting duck for any stupid idea. And you're just going to go, mm, that was good. Just because you reject God, it it eliminates your ability to think critically. So in the meantime, we're going to dive into thinking critically. We're still in January. It's the new year 2016, and it's always good to hit a refresh button. I know sometimes just to be able to go to Maine up in Thanksgiving time and get a little break, just to get away from the work and then come back just doing that gave me a a better refresher fresher start to dive back into things more efficiently and you want to use certain times of the year to your advantage and part of that is rethinking your life in general in detail always be recalibrating what you're doing it's very important so this series about being responsible is the name of the game and of course the reason we're doing this is because Romans 12 verse 2 but be transformed by the renewal of your mind the more God's information you get in your head the Holy Spirit's able to take a truth of God go into your brain take that piece of lie that you've been living on and say gone truth and now you can begin to think better. Now, computer programming world—that's exactly how things are done. They go into the coding, and if a program's not working right, they go back into the coding and they look for the bad code. What's making it go funky? And it's usually—it's not a big thing; it's a little thing that ruins a computer program, and you go in there, and then you have to clean up that little edit, and all of a sudden it works. Right? That's why it's very important to get the Bible in your brain because that gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity to reprogram your dumb thinking. Yes, your thinking is dumb. My thinking is dumb without God. It just is. That's what being evil is. We come up with bad ideas because we believe in things that aren't true. So we don't think right. And the Holy Spirit fixes that. That's what that's all about. But last week was, we're, we're challenging people on, the last week the idea was worry versus work. And we're going to look particularly at a verse in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, which uh, talk about don't worry about food and clothing, you know, and um, people confuse that with don't work. Because why do we, what do we go after? If we're working, we're going after food and clothing and God tells us not to worry. So that must mean we don't have to work. And then we got that Bible verse, wait on the Lord. And when we combine that with don't worry, don't work, we end up doing nothing and saying it's God telling us to do it. All right. That's bad thinking. All right. We know from scriptures, last week's sermon, it was very clear from the scriptures, not me flapping my gums, in my opinion, but from the Bible, if you're not providing for yourself and your family, it is questionable if you're even a Christian. That Bible verse says, if a man does not provide for his family, treat him as an unbeliever. An unbeliever, because a believer knows they got to get up in the morning and start working to provide. The Christian command is to work is in direct conflict with the entitlement mindset. I'm an American. It's the government's job to take care of me. Wow! That is the most opposite thing a Christian could ever do or say ever. That should not be in our mindset. The the goal of the government is to stay out of your business, to stay out of your wallet, and to stay out of your freedom. That's the role of the government. Right? right? To protect those things, not take those things. How can I be talking about the government from the pulpit? Because as a Christian in America where the founding fathers were either Christians or theists, it's baked into the Constitution the right to pursue what? Life, liberty, happiness, the pursuit of happiness, right? That's baked into our Constitution. Based on a Christian foundation. So this week is do not worry, manage better. Do not worry versus manage better. Last week, just a quick review, worry means being anxious. means emotional energy being spent on something you have no power to control. It's also when you worry, you're not trusting in God. Worry is sin. If you get up tomorrow morning, how am I going to get through this day? I know, I can't work. Again. It, not only it ruins your ability to be productive for God, but you're sinning. You're starting your day in sin, and when you're worrying, you're not trusting in God. It's the opposite. Okay? But that doesn't mean don't work. All right. Another challenge about this concept is, and I'm hearing this unfortunately from some pastors, is they confuse work and manage better with, well, how do you know that's not the American mantra, American dream, you know, get up, you know, God takes care of those who help themselves or God helps those who help themselves type mentality. And we've got to be careful of that. I think because our country did has baked into it these Freedoms, as Christians read their Bible and read about Paul's under Roman rule, we're confused between a dictatorship where a king, a Caesar, declares to be God, right? The Christians were called atheists because they wouldn't call the president God. And they were killed for being atheists. Could you imagine that? (laughs) We're, and the Christians went, we're not the atheists. We just can't say President is God or Caesar is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord, not the President, not the Caesar. And so Christians are really confused. We're confused about that. So much so that we'll put ourselves into slavery of, in a country where... Th- there's nothing, there's, there's nothing there saying you can't do that. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack this. And again, this is just as much for my understanding as well as for yours. I selfishly want to know this. But this is about being responsible right now, and especially about managing better. Managing. And that comes with the idea of increasing your responsibility. Increasing your responsibility. How many of you want more things to be responsible for? (laughs) No one raised your hand. No one even thought for a second. Yes! Me! Right? No one wants that. The conflict is too many Christians, especially men, use don't worry as an excuse not to manage better. A haphazard approach versus a well-thought-out plan. Okay? I've Two discussions I've had in the last year, so I remember one fellow saying, "Hey, you just do the best you can and God covers it. I agree. I agree with that. but don't use that as an excuse to not think better. think things through better, further and more clear. Um, again, my, my pastor friend, he said, "Listen, I don't worry. I just do what God tells me to do and just come. I agree with that statement, but not at throwing out being responsible. Don't use that as an excuse to not be responsible for it. When I first started practicing youth ministry up in Maine, there was three youth leaders and all our kids, most of our kids were lost kids. And we were using somebody's basement at their house. Some, some folks who had a troubled kid and they let us use their basement. These kids were allowed to smoke outside. I wouldn't let them smoke in the house, but I, I'd rather get the smoking kids there that I could preach to them than not. Right, sure. uh, one youth leader would pick up a car full of kids. We would spend an hour picking up kids, bring them to the event for an hour and a half, and then an hour bringing them back. We wouldn't be done youth ministry till eleven o'clock at night, and then all the youth leaders would meet at the truck stop and enjoy fellowship till about midnight. It was—we're all in our twenties, right? We're just enjoying life. It was awesome. It was, but woo woo. From a church perspective, we weren't a part of a church. We are a walking liability, is what we were. But we're willing to serve Jesus. And we went with all our mistakes serving Jesus. Now, that was incredibly irresponsible. Years later, as a youth pastor for, for Ephrata, every youth leader had to go through a training. And there were certain rules. Guys did not get alone with girls. Guys did not pray with girls or girls with guys. They didn't counsel each other. You didn't get alone in the car with, a, with even of the same gender. You wanted more than one kid. Even with the same gender. And that would even be more nowadays, I would think. And we had people who wanted to be youth leaders. They'd see our list of rules for the youth leaders and go, forget that, then good, you're not a youth leader. Bye. Right? Because the liability of being responsible... I think it was the grace of God that helped us back in those days. Solely the grace of God. (laughs) Don't worry does not mean don't be responsible. Right? We do trust God, but we plan as best we can and then say, here you go, God, here we go! And then you move into it. So let's have some fun here. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6, 31 through 33. Seek first his kingdom. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So this is your daily provision. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? So let's unpack that. First, it's an issue of priority and practice. It's an issue of priority, your heart, and practice, what you do. First, let's talk about the word seek. Okay? Um, um, not worrying, putting on first, does not mean getting up in the morning and going... I'm just going to do my thing. God's got my back. And that's not what it means because there's an activity involved. It's called seeking. Seeking is a do-it type mentality. Again, let me make something perfectly clear before. We're going to go into action stuff. Do's for Christians. Things to do. But I want you to make this clear. This has nothing to do with getting you saved. This has nothing to do with, if you do this, you'll go to heaven. This is not the gospel. This is what saved people do. Saved people care about what I'm about to tell you. Unsaved people go, you can tell me this all day long. I don't give a rip. When I leave this building, I'm going to hit the reset button and make sure I forget everything you showed me, Jeff. That's a non saved person. A Christian goes, This, oh, this is what it looks like to love God because He saved me from hell. I want to serve Him. Okay? So this is a response to a saved heart. All right? This doesn't get you saved. This is what saved people do. First, they seek God. Seeking God does not mean sit around and wait. It doesn't mean I wake up in the morning and go, Alright, God, here's my coffee. Bring it to me. Seek means pursue God. Here's the words. I gave you all the words right out of the Greek Hebrew concordance, in this case Greek. To seek in order to find. So you get up in the morning and you need to do some some type of seeking. What does it look like to seek God? Alright? You're looking for something, and then you're thinking about, meditating, reasoning to inquire into. It's a, it's a brain pursuit, it's a heart pursuit. You're getting up in the day and you're going, God, hello, I'm chasing you. It means take and time and energy to chase God. That's what seek means. Seeking what? His kingdom. Well, what does that mean, his kingdom? Do do we look out the window and look for a castle in the cloud? Is that what we're looking for? You don't see a castle in the cloud today? right? We're not looking for that. We're looking for his authority. Jesus is king of the universe. Do you believe that? Jesus is king of you, which means you're his servant. You obey Jesus. Do you believe that? Your day is a servant of Jesus. So he's the authority of everything. He's the royal power, the kingship, the dominion, the rule. It's not to be confused with an actual building, but the authority. All right? King Jesus, thy triumphant Messiah. All right? It's all about Jesus, his authority. So we're seeking this authority. It means you get up in the morning and you go talk to the boss. Right? You get up in the morning and you go to the boss. And you say, boss, what's up? What's the plan today, boss? What do you want me to do today? It's that simple. But it's not that simple, is it? How many of us get up and the first thing we want to do is kneel to Jesus? Right? It's almost in a, If it's in your heart, you've got a counter-conflict to that. I've got a million things in my mind I want to do, and the first thing I don't want to do is put Jesus in it. I hope that is not a conflict too deep with you. All right? It's, I understand the idea of juggling priorities. I want to serve Jesus, but I don't know what it looks like. I hope that's more of your struggle. But if this is alien to you, I'm afraid for you. Because this should be it. This should be your yum-yums. His righteousness. where he's going to seek his kingdom. And we're going to seek his righteousness. In a broad sense, that's the state of him who is at he ought to be. Righteous, the condition, that's of a person. And specifically, we're going after Jesus' yumminess, Jesus' goodness, his integrity, virtue, purity of life, righteous correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. So we want to get our soul... Aligned with God's character and soul. We want to connect with Him, His righteousness. Does this say, um, seek first His kingdom and your righteousness? Does it say, seek your kingdom and your righteousness? It does not. It says, seek His kingdom and his righteousness because we don't want our own righteousness we don't want to put a label across ourselves that says I'm righteous we want Jesus's righteousness he's the dude that we want to go after so let's put this into practice (coughs) Monday everyone's favorite day of the week Monday means school it means work Woo! everyone's having a party Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think people are trying to just avoid that one. Alright, so if, if you like coffee as much as I do, which is a blessing from God, um, before your newspaper or your Facebook or your chat, Bible, just read it. Hear from God before you hear how stupid the world is. Come on. Alright? Alright? In the morning, it is so, so easy to get Bible in you. Especially nowadays. Um, but even way back when and back in time, they made these things that you this material. I don't know what that's called anymore. Right? And it's in this type of binding thing. And it has words in it. And they're, they're Bibles. They still make them in hard copies. And you just grab one, you flip somewhere, I don't care where, and read a chapter before you let anything stupid of the world get into your brain, right, before you turn on that news station and just let those talking heads tell you how sinful the world is, right, get some time with God in. Right? You know, I'm going to tell you what I do because I'm a techno nerd, is I got my Bible.is app, which is for free, which plays the Bible. You just hit the play button and it talks to you. It reads the Bible to you. And I have it broadcasting to my big stereo system. So as I'm there eating breakfast, Jeremiah is preaching throughout the living room. It's awesome. The kids are already at school when this is happening, <laughs> right? And it's great. And I can listen to two, three chapters as I'm frying my eggs. It's awesome. And that's a great start. And I just discovered this last week, so this is, I'm all excited. <clears throat> uh, the next, yield to King Jesus before you go about your business. And there's a couple ways we do that. So you've listed some Bible. Now, before you engage in your activities, pray. Pray. Have a discussion with the Lord. Men, I really want you to get this. Ladies, you should get this too. But men especially, yield. Yield. God is king. You are not. Jesus is your leader. You are not his leader. So you get up and you say, Jesus, whatever you want for me, however you want to deal it, I'm yours. Use me to your glory. Because that's all that matters. At the end of this day, you want to be able to say, Jesus used me for his kingdom. I can go to sleep now. Can you dig it? It's that simple. But you got to tell them that. you got to prep your heart for that. And it's okay to pray for the fruit of your labor. i got my kids trained to pray, Lord, give my parents lots of money. And I have no problem teaching them to pray that. Because you know what I want? Lots of money. And I have no problem praying for that. Because it provides. Right? And am I trying to just do it myself and coming up with these little schemes? Yes. But I'm also relying on God to do that. And I have no problem asking God, provide, provide more, more more. I have no problem praying for that because I know he's the source of it. Ask him to bring fruit to your labor. Alright? So, there's also these other thought five things I have to mention. This is the Christian's compass. This is also what it looks like in your day. Now, I'm concerned about this part because I've shared this with you so much and I keep it constantly before you. I almost feel like this is an opportunity for you to really run because this is the mirror of your daily Christian walk. And it's these five disciplines. Um, which one can you do that day? So, which one is in your plans? If it's worship, um, well, I don't know if you've got a scheduled worship. Are you part of a worship team? I, I don't know. I, usually responding to God is a worship, but a fellowship. During the week, is there a Christian that could use a visit from you? So, tomorrow morning you get up, is there a Christian that you haven't seen for a while that you need to go visit? All right, And even if you can't do it that day, can you schedule it for that week? Before Sunday comes around, you need to go visit so-and-so. You haven't seen them in a while. You don't know what they're up to. You just go say hi. Knock on the door. Give them a call. That's called fellowship. Right? Is that part of your week this week? Shouldn't it be? Right? Ministry. Ministry means the church needs you. The church needs you. If we're going to grow, everybody needs to carry this church. We need a job in the church that we can do and be responsible for doing. All right? What is that? If you can't write that down, you can't tell Jesus you're ministering. Hey, Jesus, I'm ministering. Really? What are you doing for your local church? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Well, you're not ministering if there's a zero there, okay? Uh, Discipleship, a deeper Bible study. Hey, you know what? I'm going to schedule Tuesday, and I'm going to take an hour, and I'm just going to swim, swim in the Bible. That's some good stuff. Yesterday, during the science fair, I, I was able to bring my laptop, and they have free Wi-Fi, and I was prepping for this. I'm like, oh, I'm, oh, this is great. I'm grabbing Bible verses and I'm just, oh, and I'm thinking and oh, I was, oh, great time. Right? And then this morning I was able to put it all together in a nice meal. Mmm, this is great. Right? Deeper Bible study. Or discipleship is, who is that person I need to visit and encourage them to do these five? Hey, you know, you go to that Christian friend. I haven't seen your church lately, how are you fulfilling your command of worship if I haven't seen you at church? How are you, how you doing that? Fellowship, you know? You can go and encourage them, too, to make sure that they're doing the things they're supposed to be doing. That's discipleship. And, of course, evangelizing. Have you talked to anyone? Who, does, who needs to hear the gospel? A conversation I had with uh, Mike about some Some folks who are in some hospital somewhere, and he was going to go to try to encourage him in Jesus, knowing that he had family that were atheists. He was going to try to go talk to him about God. Part of his plan was evangelism to encourage him in Christ. All right? Yeah. Purposeful planning these things. Now tell me, is that is that aloof? Is that fluffy nutter? Well, principle wishy-washy, or is that pretty concrete? Is that, is that doable? See, a Christian is always looking for better, wiser ways to manage what God has given you. It's your Christian duty to continue to mature or to grow up or get better. Um, we have no problem doing this to our kids, Right? All right, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna do good at school. We want you to make sure you're planning well, and make sure you're, you know, you're heading to get your license, and then you got to make sure you got insurance, and then, you know, we want our kids, and we push them to become something. But it doesn't stop once we finally booted them out the door. Okay, great, you did it. Yeah. Right. It doesn't stop for them, and it doesn't stop for us. We're supposed to continually be better than we were yesterday. That that perpetual student, always learning, never ever stops. All right, um, and we're supposed to celebrate those growth points and keep on growing up. That's called becoming wise. Right? Wisdom is the correct application of truth. So you should be trying to go after new truths and applying them. That's being sanctified. Philippians 1.6 And I'm sure of this, that he, Jesus, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So here's a cool thing. The Christian has the Holy Spirit, Jesus, King of the universe, and God the Father of all that is, working in the Christian, constantly changing you into the image of Christ. Christ. How is that for a seatbelt of good feeling? I mean, that's it. It's like, yeah! Yeah, I I didn't do so hot today, but God's dragging me along despite me. Yippee! That's good. Um, Hebrews 10, 14. For a bias, oh, this is, I'm just gonna give you a little theology today. This is juicy. All right, for by a single offering, to talk about Jesus. For by a single offering, can we guess what the single offering is? I'm hinting. <laughs> for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. This one sentence has the gospel. The effects of the gospel, perfected for all time. That's people like you and me, right? Those who trust in Jesus. You've been perfected for how long? God is looking at you right now and says, You are perfect eternally. Yeah! Alright! How's that for a fresh start to your day? Right? But, look at this. He adds two tenses here. Perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Wait a minute. In one sentence, there's two tenses. One, he's already done it. You're already perfected. If you trust in Jesus Christ, death, and burial, resurrection on the cross, you're already perfected for all time. It's a done job. But he's also perfected being sanctified. He is sanctifying you right now. So now that you're perfected, now he's going to start going, and he's changing you into that perfection. So there's a constant being sanctified. That sanctified means to render, acknowledge, or to separate from profane and to dedicate to God. He's constantly separating your, your bad thoughts from the good thoughts. He's taking you out of the bad and he's making you to good here now. At the same time that he's already perfected you. What do you think of that? Okay? We're almost done. I'm seeing everybody falling over here. <laughs> like, eh. alright. Psalm of Moses. There's a psalm that is attributed to Moses in Psalm 90. This is a cool one. And 12 through 17. So teach us I'm going to start at verse 12. Um, Just look at verse 12. If this ain't a cry for wisdom, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. You know, if you listen to any really good uh, business speaker, they're going to say start with the goal in mind. Start with the end in mind and work backwards. And that's how you build your plan. Start with where you want to be and go backwards. Same with fly fishing. You ever done fly fishing? Right, what hits first? Is it the fishing line, is it the line? Or is it the the lure, the little fly? You zigzag that thing, you put it out there, the fly hits and then it's designed that the, the first part of the line gently lays down not to make a ripple to scare the fish. So all the fish sees is a bug hitting the water. That's what it's designed to do. Same with this. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Where do we want to be at the end? And then back up to where we are now. That's how you plan. Where do I want to be? What do I want to look like? What do I want to do? Am I setting the course now so I can get there? That's how you do it. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and get this, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Setting that course and blessing it that we would be very fruitful servants for Jesus. Do you get it? We're almost done. Christians are to be looking to manage what they have very well. And why do we do this? Because we want God to get glory from us in our actions and our deeds. And that's it. And that's the fancy word for that, it's called stewardship. I like their little icons your time, your relationships, your provision, your materials, and of course, your relationship to Jesus. Can you dig it? I can dig it. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the clarity of your teaching. And, Father, that we all know this is not suggestion. These are commands. Help us to yield to you, Jesus, and be more effective servants for you in the time you've given us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakendeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Thespeakendeacon.com Truth is here!